Welcome, everyone, to episode 152 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we have a very special guest on to discuss the NBA draft, in particular, some of the big names and what we should expect in less than a week. Before we get underway, I wanted to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. Morton, how's it going? Brian, it, it went so well. Things were quiet, and then a kawaii bomb uh, just <laughs> sprung about out of nowhere, yeah. and now everything is in shambles, which is pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we will be discussing, or by the time you've listened to this, we're going to have an episode already out about the Kawhi stuff. But yes, the NBA, if you needed a reminder, it's about to devolve into utter madness in the next two weeks or so. So get excited for that. But before we hit trades and free agency and all that good stuff, we're going to have the NBA draft. So joining us today is Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. He covers college basketball and the NBA there. He's going to walk us through the big names of the draft, what we should look forward to in those first 10 picks or so. So, Ricky, how's it going? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, before we get underway, let our listeners know where they can find your Twitter and then any work that you want to plug as well. You can follow me on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. You can find all my work at SBNation.com under the NBA and college basketball hubs. And also I'll do some stuff on bloggable.com being based in Chicago. I still write a bit about the Bulls. So that's where you can find me. Very good. Um, condolences about following the Bulls. Mort is still trying to recover as well. But we will talk about especially the number seven pick because there's been some interesting developments there over the past couple of days. But Ricky, first, let's just start right at the top of the board. And I kind of just want to walk through quickly like what you like your big board and then what you think certain teams are going to do. So number one, who is the top of your big board right now? I think the two best players in this draft are Luka Doncic and Jaron Jackson Jr. I'd probably have them in that order with Doncic number one, Jackson number two. I really think they're a clear step ahead of anyone else in this draft. I would struggle to come up with number three. I guess we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, I think those guys are head and shoulders above everyone else in this class because they have the most apparent fit in the modern NBA. You just look at Doncic's skill set as the most accomplished European player ever. Super high basketball IQ, great passer, really good ball handler, developing shooter, and someone who just like stuffs the stat sheet with rebounds, steals, blocks, all that. So uh, I think that Doncic's skill level and his production, the combination of those two things is essentially unassailable right now. Uh, I do find it pretty or pretty perplexing that he could slide as far as number four, according to what we've been hearing in the rumor mill lately. Uh, but I have Doncic number one. I think just in a league that really values guys who can handle shoot and pass, uh, he has the best combination of those skills of any guy in the draft. I also love Jaron Jackson Jr. He might have the highest upside in the draft to me. Uh, everything you want in a modern big man, I think. Really fast and agile, quick on his feet, seven foot five wingspan. Had a higher block rate than Mo Bamba while playing at Michigan State. Also hit 40% of his three-pointers and 80% of his free throws. So Jackson just has the skill set that fits into the modern NBA to a T, really. Uh, he doesn't have the production that a lot of the other big men in this class had. His per-game numbers were basically half of what Aiton and Bagley averaged. But uh, I just think that Jackson's talent level and his skill set is just so much greater than what he was able to show in a limited role at Michigan State. 
I think he's going to be a perennial all-star. He's going to be a really, really good NBA player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're Mort and I are both right with you with Doncic, number one, in this class. That said, it seems like the Suns have settled on DeAndre Ayton, number one. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I like Ayton. I've been watching. So I cover recruiting for SB Nation. So I've been seeing all these guys since they were in high school. And, you know, the first time I saw Ayton, I mean, you watch him play for two minutes and he's just a no-brainer. Like, of course, this guy is going to be a number one overall NBA draft pick just because he looks like what the type of player that historically goes number one in the draft. You know what I mean? Like in basically mm-hmm. any other era, this wouldn't even be debatable. DeAndre Ayton would be, you know, the guy teams are tanking two seasons for maybe just to get a shot at him. Uh, he basically has DeAndre Jordan's physicality with like shooting touch. So you can see why he's, uh, he's such a fantastic prospect. I mean, rarely do you see a guy that big and that explosive. He's in the top 1% in terms of size and athleticism for NBA big men. He's so quick off the floor. Uh, he already just has such a like a jacked frame, too. Like He's going to have the strength to compete at the NBA level from day one as a one-and-done freshman, which is pretty remarkable. He also has some skill level. Uh, he's a r- really soft touch around the rim. I mean, he's mostly dunking everything, but uh, he showed off you know, good scoring instincts uh, in a variety of ways during his one season in Arizona. He's also got a bit of a jump shot. He was about a 70-something percent free throw shooter at Arizona. He shot free throws even better than that on Nike's EYBL circuit. He's also a capable three-point shooter. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but he knocked down, I would guess, somewhere around 20, 15 to 23s this year uh, playing for Arizona. So, Aiton, I mean, it's just easy to see why NBA teams would covet this guy because especially front offices that haven't sort of embraced the apparent evolution of the game. I mean, Aiton is so big, so athletic, and pretty skilled. He's just an easy sell for NBA teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Did, are you concerned at all? It seems like the big issue or weakness with him, at least perception-wise, is the defense. Does that worry you at all? Yeah, for sure. I watched him quite a bit at Arizona. Uh, it's important to remember they did play out of position there. Arizona played sort of a slow-plotting senior center named Dusan Ristich next to him, which moved Aiton to the four. Aiton also played the four in high school, actually, for his EYBL team, Cal Supreme, alongside uh, Brandon McCoy, who's another one-and-done in this draft, former McDonald's All-American. So I don't know if Aiton really... You know, he's going to have to grasp the nuances of playing center defensively because he hasn't really done it his entire life, which is insane considering he's like 250 pounds and a 7'5 <laughs> fan. And this guy's your high school power forward. Uh, so th- there's going to be, you know, the, the mental side of the game is going to be what he has to grasp. I mean, physically, he has all the tools to be a badass defender. He's really light on his feet, he can jump out of the gym. Uh, when he's engaged, he can block some shots. And, you know, his defense did look better. As the year went on, he raised his block rate substantially, uh, you know, during the second half of the season at Arizona. But at the same time, I mean, Arizona might have been the most talented team in the country this year. They got run out of the gym by a MAC team in Buffalo in the first round of the NCAA tournament where they were, like, kind of going at Aiton defensively. I need to rewatch the tape of that game, but really that was that's what I remember. The, their coach in Oates was just not backing down from attacking Aiton I think he has some serious question marks on his defensive instincts, and that's going to be the main thing he has to answer. Physically, he has literally everything you look for. He looks like you know the historic archetype of a number one overall NBA draft pick. But I just think his feel for the game on both ends of the floor is questionable, and especially defensively. Like we're seeing good defensive centers like Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella get run off the floor these days in the NBA mm-hmm. playoffs. 
what's going to happen to Aiton, who's a bad defensive center? Like, <laughs> yeah. A poor defensive center still be a cornerstone piece for an NBA team? I think that's questionable in this era. So would it be yeah. a win just if he come, turns out to be average? I mean, average, he's not going to be average. Like, he's so talented that it, it won't matter. Like, he'll still be, a, he's probably going to put up like 25 and 12 or 25 right. and 13. He's going to put up insane numbers. The question is just, what's his impact on winning going to be? So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, he's, like, he's definitely not going to be average. He's going to be like, there's going to be times when everyone's going to be like, oh, there's going to be nights where everyone will be like, oh, you doubted Aiden, you idiots. You just put up 45 <laughs> and 26. But it's like, who's going to have a greater impact on winning? Aiton right. or Donson, Aiton or Jackson. Now, I could be totally wrong about this. I mean, there is an argument to be made. Here's the pro Aiton argument, I think. He did play out of position, and, you know, he's just so physically talented that he, I mean, he's quick enough to stay with guards, and he can jump out of the gym and block shots. So, like, he could end up being a pretty good defensive player down the line, maybe. Like, even if he, it takes four or five years to happen, he'd still be a really good defensive player in the prime of his career. Also, like... Everyone's kind of building teams for the way the league is today, which mm-hmm. is obviously influenced by the Warriors and the Rockets. But, like, what about when those guys phase out five, six years from now and Aiton hits his prime? The best players in the league might all be seven-footers. It could be Embiid, Towns, Porzingis, Anthony Davis, Giannis. So maybe you'll need a guy like that, and everyone will be playing through a sort of multi-dimensional big man, especially if Aiton's jumper continues to improve, because he already does have a nice touch on the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be a pretty damn good NBA three-point shooter in time. So, uh, you know, there's an argument to be made for Aiton, I think, in that sense. Mm. So, so are we looking at a guy who is going to maybe statistically mimic a Boogie Cousins version? Yeah, I like Boogie. Boogie is a comp form. I've always liked that. He's like an above-the-rim version of Boogie. Oh, like, for as good as Boogie is, like, he's not really an uh, above-the-rim player. You know what I mean? Mm. But, but Boogie, what sets Boogie apart to me, I don't know if you guys agree with this, is like, sometimes you get the sense that Boogie could have been a point guard if he wasn't 6'11", yeah, yeah. 70 yeah. pounds. Like, he really has ball skills. Yeah. So, like, Aiden doesn't have anywhere near those ball skills. But I'm trying to think back to Boogie at Kentucky, and I can't really remember him doing that but you know at the same time college basketball sort of limits uh limits guys you know capability sometimes especially at kentucky it seems like that happened with carl anthony towns too he only took like eight threes his entire career at kentucky so you don't really know what these guys are always capable of uh after just one year of data so it'll be i mean it'll be interesting to see like Aiden's super talented like i wouldn't take him number one i would probably put him number three on my board uh I don't think he'll be an average player. Like, I think he's going to be a pretty damn good player. But I just question his overall impact on winning. Oh, okay. So, yeah, what I meant was, is it going to be a win if he just turned out to be an average defender? Sorry for the misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that was my bad. Yeah, if he was an average defender, like, yeah, I guess that would be a win. Like, I'm trying to think of what an average defensive NBA center looks like as a comparison. Like, who's an average defensive NBA center off the top of our heads? Well, not Jaleel Okafor. Not Jaleel Someone who's <laughs> slightly worse than Robin Lopez, I guess. Yeah. Like, he's, he'll be way more mobile than Robin Lopez. So he'll be, like, a different kind of... You know, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses as defensive centers, so... Right. And he's... He, and, you know, defensive rebounds goes into all that. Like, if he can clear the defensive glass, He's going to clear the glass, right. yeah. He's going to clear the glass, no doubt. And you know what? Like, you could probably go super small around him. You could probably play four guards around him because he's going to be such a sick rebounder. Uh, so you could really, like, surround him with shooters, space him out, let him eat inside. Like, that's what I would do if I get eight. And now you look at the Suns' makeup. 
Booker's a sniper for sure, so that's solid. Jackson's really a non-shooter, but I love Jackson's defensive versatility. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Josh Jackson. He was one of my boys in the last draft class. In case you're wondering, my bona fides as an NBA draft opinion guy, I had Josh Jackson ahead of Jason Tatum this time last year, so it shows that. <laughs> I, so so uh, did a lot of people, though. It's not just you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then I would try to go like I guess they got Marquise Chris and Bender. Maybe you want Bender's passing in there at the four or the five. Move Aiton back to his preferred position of being an absolutely insanely huge four. Uh, so I don't know. Like I would just downsize around him with shooters and just let Aiton let Aiton eat inside. Yeah, that makes it. I mean, I, I've come around at least a little bit. Like I still think. Doncic makes it, like he's the best player in this class, at least in my opinion, for a lot of the reasons you said, especially with his fit in the modern NBA. I don't think it's like a franchise crippling mistake for the Suns to take eight and number one if they use him correctly. Like, you know, they he's already said he he and Booker are going to be the next Shaq and Kobe, which I feel like someone needs to give him a history lesson about how that turned out. Like, yeah, they they won a couple rings, but they didn't last all that long together. Hey everybody, this is Brian from the Glue Guys Nets show on Almighty Baller. Just wanted to talk to you about sponsor and friend of the network, HelloFresh. So I've had a few meal kit delivery services in my day. I, for one, am very excited to be having HelloFresh as a sponsor. So I am a kind of a deadbeat and a pretty disorganized person in my life. And one thing that I very much appreciate about HelloFresh's business was I had left town for a while while they were delivering the package. And I came home two days later after it had been delivered and discovered that it was perfectly preserved. Nothing wrong. Two days in a New York City, insanely hot October for some reason, and it was perfectly preserved. My produce was fine. My meats were fine. Everything was totally fine. Lots of ice packages all over the place, really closely wrapped. I very much appreciated the fact that I wasn't going to have to let my HelloFresh package go to waste. That felt really good to me. Also an important thing to note, while I am a deadbeat in some ways, I'm not in others. I do actually do a fair amount of cooking. And I really appreciate HelloFresh for this reason, too. Sometimes you get these you know, delivery services and you get all these kinds of off-brand things in the package. It's None of it's really what you're used to. I got King's Hawaiian Rolls with my burgers this time. Like, the brand. The, the, the actual thing. And it, was, and it was such a breath of fresh air to see a, a brand that I was very familiar with, liked a lot, coming inside the package. And it made all the difference for my Juicy Lucy burgers that I whipped up. So all that's to say, HelloFresh is easily my favorite of of the services. Tons of choices. You got classic style, family style, even vegetarian meals. Lots of benefits to subscribing. Um, You can get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60 and enter Almighty60. That's HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-6-0, and enter Almighty60. It's like receiving six meals free or up to 50% off three boxes. Um, but let's let's move to the Kings at two now, because I think that's 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 really the the swing point of this draft already. Because you know it seems like the Suns would sell on Aiton, but we're getting word from ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni. He was the first to report it. Bleach reports Jonathan Wasserman has since also affirmed that same report that the Kings do do not seem sold 
on Luca at number two. It seems like Marvin Bagley might be their guy. So what are your thoughts about that? I mean, they're the Kings. Of course, they're going to screw it up. <laughs> classic, classic Sacramento Kings. I thought Aiton would have been a great King because he could have put up these huge numbers and never make the playoffs. But it looks like he's going to go number one. So now the Kings are going to do the second most Kings thing possible, which is just draft like a miniature version of Aiton and Bagley, another guy who's incredibly athletic, uh, just, I mean, high motor guy. It seems like that's who they're going to take. I mean, they could go Bomber Porter too, but it's like Bagley would be perfect with their MO because he's, he's just like, he's the rare tweener in today's Mm -hmm. game. Like, in, you know, this is supposed to be the era where no one's a tweener, but you know what's become a tweener in this era instead? The traditional four. And he's a mm-hmm. traditional four to me because he can't really space the floor or handle like a modern wing. Uh, like, you know, the big wings currently manning the four in the league, and he definitely doesn't block enough shots to play the five. So it's like, what position does this guy play? I think there's no doubting Bagley's talent level. And I, I'm actually pretty high on him. In general, but I think he has a lot of the same questions Aiden has. What's his impact on winning going to be? Is he going to play any defense? What's his positional fit in the league? Uh, and he's just not as big as Aiden, but he's just as explosive, maybe even more explosive. Like Marvin Bagley can jump three times more than you can jump quicker than you can jump once. <laughs> uh, if you want an NBA comparison for him, how about like John Collins on steroids? Ooh, John yeah. Collins was he was pretty good right away. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. How's John Collins on defense? Like he had a bad rap at Wake Forest. I don't know what he was like last year as a rookie with the Hawks. Was he like better on defense? He, he was better. I was high on him. I was very high on John Collins. <laughs> Brian can confirm he was pretty sick of me mm-hmm. talking about John Collins all the time. He he, he was a little bit better. Uh, he he still had his weaknesses here and there, but I, I think he demonstrated well that he could build upon his defense uh, with the first year in the, with the Hawks. Yeah, and like Bagley has a similar game. Uh, he's just a tryhard in general, super high motor, monster rebounder, really skilled inside score. I mean, he's able to leverage uh, himself at different angles to score in a way that not many young players are able to. I also think he has potential as a shooter and a ball handler. Like He can grab and go already off a rebound, push it down the floor. If he really develops the ball handling or the shooting, and he, was, he hit 39% of his threes. It was a low percentage. I don't think his shot looks very good either. He's got a lefty stroke, and usually lefties look, it just looks good coming out of their hand, you know? But he's had a slow release. I don't think he shoots a very true ball. I've seen him play live a bunch of times. I wrote a big feature on him uh, when he was on the EYBL, which is Nike's AAU circuit. His team couldn't win a game which I think was pretty interesting. That was the title of my story. They had the best team in the, they had the best player in the country and they were 0 and 8. So I think that's pretty interesting to look at in what retrospect, like what's his impact on winning. Uh, and I forgot my train. Oh, and I also saw him uh, up close at the champions classic when he played Michigan state, he ended up getting hurt in that game, but that was at the United center. That was him versus Jaron Jackson for a little bit, really good individual matchup. Wish we could have had that again later in the tournament, but we didn't get mm-hmm. there because Michigan state got upset uh, yeah, like Bagley's Bagley's good, but I mean, I would take Luca over him, no doubt. Like Luca's just a more natural fit in today's game. I'm just yeah. at a complete surprise that I'm talking to two Americans who aren't. Hey, let's choose an American over Luca because that seems <laughs> to be the narrative on Twitter these days, which is infuriating to me. Um, Luca's very divisive. A lot of yeah. like I was at an AAU tournament. Uh, I was at you know the, the AAU stuff maybe like a month or two ago. And I was talking to some guys about Luca, and all like the old school basketball guys who aren't total nerds like us mm. are really hating on Luca. 
Oh. Like they're like this guy's slow. He doesn't deserve it. I mean, you see some of it on Twitter too with like Chris Palmer, just like the, sort of the old yeah. school basketball minds. Like he's a divisive prospect, man. So uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I accept that I could be wrong about Downsick. If Downsick ends up being the fifth or fourth best player in this class, I wouldn't be stunned. You know what I mean? Because right. mm-hmm. yeah, he just doesn't have the athletic pop you typically uh, expect from number one overall pick. It's just kind of funny how different people are sort of uh viewing the game these days yeah no i get i i think the lack of athleticism is a completely fair point to like bring up the problem mm-hmm. i have is people using his nationality as the main reason for why <laughs> right. he bust that's the problem i have yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's a white european so he's naturally yeah, going to so be he, slow and unathletic right, and he exactly. has no chance in the nba when he plays real players because you know the euro league Nowhere near as good as the NCAA, according <laughs> to <laughs> everyone who's only watched the NCAA has never seen a EuroLeague game. But, but then let's talk about another good shooter who isn't as quick, or well, he's quick but not highly athletic. Trey Young, one of the most mm-hmm. polarizing, you know, prospects in, in I want to say recent years. Ricky, I just gotta ask you right off the bat. I've seen quite a few Timur for Dead comparisons. How wrong are the are they on a <laughs> scale of one to ten? Uh, 10. Yeah. I mean, they're really wrong. Like, Jimmer was doing that in a mid-major conference as a senior. Mm-hmm. And Trey did it in the best conference in America as a true freshman and led the country in assists. Like, how many assists did Jimmer average during those days? I oh, bet yeah. it wasn't many. Not many. Not many. He was just scoring like crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Trey Young, I guess. It's like, no, he's going to be good. It's just... He's another guy, like, in the playoffs. You saw in the playoffs this year, like, all these teams are trying to switch on to the weakest defender, right? Like, mm-hmm. if t- the team Trey Young is on is playing the Rockets, the Rockets are going to do everything they can to put Trey Young on Harden, and then he's just going to be barbecued chicken, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I do think those are legitimate concerns. I'd compare him to maybe, like, Isaiah Thomas, who mm-hmm. was pretty great. I mean, is he ever going to average 30 a game like IT did? Will he have a better career than IT? I mean, you'd expect him to have more longevity. Uh, but, like, that's the type of player I think you're looking at. Maybe, I mean, a better passer, probably. He's a really good passer. Yeah. That's where some of the Steve Nash comparisons come in. I will say, I would expect him to be the worst defensive guard in the NBA. Mm, yeah. So it's like, how high is his offensive value to make up for that trash defense? I would still probably take him. Like, if the Bulls take him at seven, I'm going to be jacked up about it just because it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that my my colleague Seth Rosenthal once said this about Curry, but that he breaks the rhythm of the game. Like, he just keeps you on your toes in so many ways because, like, he's pulling during times no one else on planet Earth is pulling. So, I mean, more people should like Trey Young. Trey Young rules. Like, people should... It sucks that he's become such a polarizing player. I mean, I get it because he's a midget who can't dunk, but uh, <laughs> he's just really fun to watch, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was... I mean, even over here, like, uh, so many games were like, oh, when's the next Oklahoma game? Like, we, we have to tune in on illegal feats and whatnot. Like, we, we have to watch this kid play. Um, so, so, going from someone who is more explosive and, you know... Um, polarizing to someone who's a little bit more secure wendell carter jr you ricky you know i've been tiring your ass out when it comes to wendell carter jr on twitter because i've been talking at length about this guy i love him uh and in the latest blockable post you had up you actually had the bulls choosing him at seventh uh if you were going to select a guy but to your credit though you did say like you could go in a multitude of ways 
But what interests you regarding uh, Wendell Carter Jr.? Well, I feel like he has the best combination of a high, a really high floor and a pretty high ceiling. I think his ceiling is getting a little undersold in the sense because he just doesn't have many holes in his skill set. He's another guy I read a big feature about in high school. Uh, flew out to watch him at USA Basketball Camp. He was always a stud. I mean, constantly a top five overall recruit. Uh, rebounds super well. Blocks some shots. Granted, he was in the middle of Duke zone, so I do think that's a bit of a question mark going forward. But he has high basketball IQ. He's really long with the 7-3 wingspan. He's just strong. He played at almost 270 pounds at Duke last year. I think he's actually going to be a really good shooter. He's got a quality face-up jump shot. He hit over 40% of his threes at a low volume, I think, like 20 makes at Duke this year. Uh, but I just like Carter's game in general. He doesn't have many holes in his skill set. I think he's going to be a beast inside. He's going to be able to pick and pop or dive to the rim. He's not super explosive athletically off the ground in terms of being a guy who can finish lobs. And he's not the quickest guy laterally, which is definitely his biggest question mark. Maybe his only real question marks is lateral quickness. Can he make up for it with a combination of basketball IQ and length? Perhaps. I think that that's on the table. But, you know, you'd argue it either way, right? So, like, I like Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. But in a scenario where he busts, everyone's going to be like, wow, you took the slow big man in a league where slow big men are getting torched. <laughs> so it's going to be easy to see in hindsight if he busts. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to bust. I mean, he just does too many things well. Maybe it'll ultimately come down to how good of a jump shooter he is. But, I mean, Horford is still such an effective player. He gets Horford comparisons, which you can see. I would When I saw him in high school, I compared him to Elton Brand, mm-hmm. uh, who yeah, had a long and successful NBA career. But now, you know, you wonder how good would Elton Brand be in today's era. I don't really know. Uh, I like Carter, though. I feel like, you know, Carter's just going to be good. Like, if Wendell Carter makes two, two, three all-star teams, how many guys in this draft are really going to be better than him? Right. Like, maybe a handful, but even then, if he's picked at seventh, like, that's a completely fine, uh, I mean, a completely fine spot to land in, obviously. Yeah, I do think, it's funny, though, because I've been saying this from the start, like, the Bulls shouldn't take a center, because I think marketing should be center in this era. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's seven feet tall, Mm -hmm. and plus, you could just have some really dynamic offensive lineups around him. But you know what? What if you just have a badass front court combination of Carter and Markinen? I mean, Carter would be a good fit in a lot of places. I just don't want to focus about the Bulls because who gives a shit about them? But <laughs> he'd be good in New York. He'd be good in Cleveland. He'd potentially be good in Orlando. I mean, I would go with Gordon and Isaac as the front court of the future if I were the Magic. But we'll see what they think about that. So I like Wendell Carter Jr. I think whatever team gets him is just going to get a solid-ass player. And if you have time for one more question, then one of the most talked about names out there seems to be flying high on the drafts right now, even though he seems to be more and more injured. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., he's going to end up being drafted number one if he like loses his arm or something, it seems. like He just <laughs> keeps climbing. Why? What's happening, Ricky? Yeah, uh, I mean, I saw Porter play a ton in high school, too, when he was healthy, and I thought he was a sure thing at the time uh it's harder sometimes i mean that's all i test you know what i mean so like this 611 kid walks into the gym and is stroking threes off the dribble and is finishing above the rim i mean it was just an easy sell at the time he looks really good in that sort of wide open free-flowing aau or usa basketball or mcdonald's game style of play 
Uh, I do think there's some real question marks. So the health, I think, is terrifying. It's like he's got, like, old man injuries when he's 20 years old. <laughs> also, what's up with his diet? He's a vegan. He he was the second lightest player at the Combine. Behind oh. Trey Young, he weighs 210 pounds and he's 6'11". Uh, why like why did your rank get so much guff for this? Like, can Michael Porter Jr. bench press the bar? Like, that's what I want to know. About. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I also here's my hot take that I could never write or tweet, but I'll say it on your podcast. Uh, he needs to be humbled because oh. he's been built his entire life as like a thirty point per game scorer, and maybe he will get there. But he's he's very cocky. Uh, and you know, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, Durant is, I mean, Curry and Durant are too. He's tight with both Curry and Durant. And I, I don't think he's like a bad person. Like he's right. a really religious guy, but, uh, he's got a lot of weaknesses in his skill set. Like he could be much better defensively. Like, does he make an impact defensively? I think it's a big question with him. He's almost too tall to even get in a stance defensively. Like he's just so tall and skinny and awkward yeah. uh it's kind of bizarre his handle isn't super tight granted he's super tall so maybe that's why that's the main thing most young wings need to work on as it is so you don't want to criticize him too much for that but he can get tighter, tighter with the handle where's the three-point shot at and i just question his feel for the game like is he going to use his scoring to set up his teammates that's the real question with him to me uh his talent level is obvious though i mean the ideal version of michael porter is a 6 11 three three level scorer who can get you, you know, 25 a night at least. So, I mean, I wouldn't be devastated if a team like the Bulls took him. I think that he is getting talked up. I mean, the fact that he can go two is just insane. Yeah. That's yeah. a total Kings bullshit. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you can sort of see why. Like, no one wants these bigs, I guess. You know, in an era that demands a, a player, like you want a player who's like Michael Porter Jr., but not Michael Porter Jr. To me, because he's right. got these injuries. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. yeah, and like ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni had the report out Thursday about you know he was going to have a workout in front of teams Friday. They had to cancel it because he has a strained hip. And then at the the bottom of the article. He said, you know, he, they already gave the full medical examination, gave it to all teams. The medical staff say the results are encouraging. One person said there doesn't appear to be anything wrong with him right now, but a conservative doctor could be concerned about what might happen down the road. But the one like the one quote was, everyone is mis- worried about missing out on a star. No one wants to miss out on another Joel Embiid. So I think that's, you know, you gave the pro Aiton take earlier. Like that's the pro Porter take is like, if he's healthy, he was the number two player in his class coming into college. Like, you know, he probably would have been a top five pick if not for the back injury. So let's talk about some other recent number one overall recruits or number two overall recruits. Harry Giles, yeah. Julia Okafor, yeah, Scalabissier. Uh, there's probably a couple more that I'm forgetting, but all those those three guys have been in the last three classes, I think. Yeah. Two of them for yeah. the Kings. <laughs> there we go. They just need it's their destiny, the yeah. trap porter. I, yeah. I told Mort the other day that if they really were interested in Porter, they need to talk to the Magic, trade down the six. Because the Magic, I feel like, of any team in the top ten, Luka makes – it's like the biggest need for them is point guard, obviously, and Luka could fill that hole. And then they could take Porter at six and, like, at least it's – you know, you're getting some assets in return <laughs> in theory uh, with – trading down four spots so even if porter busts you're still not totally shit out of luck but 
It, ugh, yeah, I mean, in the NBA draft, if you like Porter, just take him. Because some other idiot team like the Mavs could take him. Like, yeah. you never know. Like, if you want him, just take him. And if he ends up being the best player, you look like a genius. <laughs> and or, if he ends up being bad, I mean, do the Kings have any front office accountability as it is? Like, no. So no one will lose <laughs> their job. It'll be fine. Everything's just fine. pages and probably not, no. Yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of no front office accountability, I want to quickly ask about the Sixers, uh, Ricky, because my guy all year has been Mikhail Bridges. I wanted him at number 10. It seems like, I mean, just based on some of the mocks that have been coming out as of late, it seems like he might actually be there. I've seen Kevin Knox really seems to be rising a lot. Uh, the ringer had him going to your guys' bowls at seven. I think Gavoni's latest mock had Knox going to the... Knicks at number nine. So could you just give us a brief breakdown on uh, Mikhail and why Why is he, you know, at least perception-wise, why is he slipping down a little bit? Well, I mean, when Mikhail Bridges was the same age as everyone who's going to get drafted ahead of him, he was redshirting. He couldn't even play college mm-hmm. basketball because he was so weak. And he didn't have a shot. So, I mean, just the fact that he's a redshirt junior, I think, is the first sort of red flag. Uh he also really can't do much with the ball. I mean, he's not going to create offense. He's pretty much a straight 3 and D guy who stays in his lane, but he's really good at what he does. He can stroke, man. Like, his development as a shooter was remarkable mm-hmm. uh, over four years at Villanova. I mean, they would run him off some sets that you'll see the Warriors run for Clay Thompson. He has a really quick release. Great free throw shooter as well, so it's not an aberration. And he just kept improving his three-point shooting ability over four years of college, so... To me, he's a sniper. I think that like that's going to sort of ultimately determine how good he is because I don't see him being able to create much offense. Mm-hmm. And that really limits his ceiling, I think. Uh, so, you know, he's a good fit for the Sixers, though, who have two guys who are going to control the ball so much and Embiid and Simmons that they kind of just need someone to spot up. But I thought watching that Sixers playoff series against Boston, they needed another creator who wasn't Simmons. Yeah. What they need is prospect Fultz. If they had the right. prospect version of Fultz... Bridges would be a perfect complimentary guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dig Bridges. I mean, I've always liked Bridges. I did a big story on him two years ago. I pred- after So they won the national title his redshirt freshman year, and I wrote a story on him that summer being like, this, is, this guy's ready for a breakout. And then he had it a year later. So I was wrong, but I was also <laughs> kind of right. Yeah. Because it just happened a year later. Uh, yeah. So I've always been a fan of his game. I got to talk to him a bunch of times when I covered the Final Four this year. He's a really, he's like a low maintenance guy. I saw someone say that yesterday. Like one of the NBA teams said Bridges is a low maintenance guy, but like he is. He's just like sort of a, he's not going to be an ego guy. He's not someone who's going to like play a selfish brand of ball. Mm-hmm. I will say though, he's skinny as hell. And if I'm taking a guy in the top 10 who can't create offense for himself, can't really put the ball on the floor, he's sort of got to be able to defend like LeBron, Durant. Harden, Jimmy Butler, at least as much as anyone can defend those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's like almost too skinny for that. I don't know how good he's going to be switching on to traditional bigs. Like, you know, you can say Michael Bridges is a switchable defender, but like, what happens if he gets switched on to Wendell Carter? Wendell Carter's going to mm-hmm. put his big ass into him, knock him down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Bridges yeah. is just too skinny. So yeah. I would like Bridges more in like the teen range. Oh, interesting. Personally, but like, he's, he's going to be good. I mean, if you just want a solid 3 and D guy, but like, Here's the meanest thing I'll say about Michael Bridges, whom I love and should not bully like this on the internet. But like, <laughs> he's kind of like, he's like good Tony Snell. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. He just okay. doesn't have much diversity to his game. Yeah. But he'll 
and he's long, but he's skinny as hell. And he shoot. I mean, he could be a great shooter. Like, that's really where his value is ultimately going to be determined. Mm-hmm. And, like, you look at the Sixers, and they were playing Bellinelli and Ilyasova, crunch time minutes in the playoffs. Two guys <laughs> they just picked up off the streets. Right. So it's like someone like Bridges, who so many of these guys, like Knox, are like three, four combos who are much better at the four than the three. Bridges is like a pure three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. has a lot of value. So, uh, I mean, I do like Michael. I think he'd be a pretty good, pretty good bet for the Sixers at ten, and just for a lot of teams. I mean, his game. You want you want three and D guys, and he's a straight three and D guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the point you brought up about you know they don't really like ideally. Yeah, everyone wants two way wings that could also create for themselves. Like that's that's the dream for every team right now. But those guys aren't really all that readily available anywhere whether it be draft trade free agency um and yeah like the fact they have a simmons and Embiid, and like in theory i still believe in markel fultz i'm gonna go down on that ship so in theory they have him coming back you know he's working with drew hanlon now so maybe he regains his shooting stroke um yeah they, they just need you know put him and covington on the floor together and i just godspeed to any team that's trying to score with their wings yeah, but Covington uh, is bad in the playoffs in part because he can't put the ball on the floor. Yeah, I know. I, it worries me. Believe me. I, well, I thought LeBron was coming to the Sixers until about an hour ago, but now I'm starting to realize they're all going to the Lakers. I got a quick hypothetical to throw out for you because I was doing the SB Nation team blogger draft and I was running the Bulls in that and basically all the teams I for SB Nation run a mock draft and it's fun. And the Sixers guys offered us Markel Foltz for number seven. Ooh. And we turned it down, but I was kind of like, kind of like that. Yeah, I would do that if I was a Bulls. You would? Yeah, but I mean, if he can ever shoot, he's not going to be worth it. And it's like a mental problem, which is so scary. It's like John Lester not being able to throw to first base on a pickoff. (laughs) Right. It's like the same thing, like when it's in his head, if it is a mental thing. I mean, I don't don't know what's up with Markel Fultz, but I was a huge Fultz fan. Mm -hmm. Coming to last year's draft, I would have taken prospect Fultz over Doncic. I was that Mm -hmm. high on he was such wow. a stud yeah. I was right but, there with you right there with you I, I would do that trade though if I'm the Bulls you would do seven yeah. for Colts I, I would I mean, I, I, that's I, tough man yeah but I mean th- that may be Brian's influence because he's in my ear <laughs> all the time about Fultz and I, like you Ricky I was I was all in on this kid last year so that there, there mm-hmm. may be some residual yeah but there. something changed man I, yeah certainly yeah. Certainly, it did. I'm just hoping it's not permanent. I'm thinking. I'm looking at that age, and I'm going. That could possibly change, back, right. revert back. Yeah. And also, the Bulls are going to screw up seven, no matter what. Like they're going to take Kevin Knox. So, just yeah, you, you I mean, have, probably. Yeah, they will. You, you have to assume the worst with the Bulls at seven. So maybe at least taking a known commodity beats whatever dipshit thing they're going to do at seven a known commodity who can't raise his arms above his head <laughs> right <laughs> hey man drew hanlon he, he's a miracle worker he, he turned jason tatum into like fucking paul pierce 2.0 in one summer turned joel abita into a monster it's gonna happen i'm telling you buy, buy stock low on marco fultz island <laughs> all right uh, Morgan, any final questions for ricky no i i think we we have to let ricky go now because he was a little bit busy i believe Yes. All right. Well, in that case, Ricky, thank you for joining us. Uh, one more time for our listeners, let them know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. SBNation.com for all my work. 
no one needs to follow me on Twitter, but it's SBN underscore Ricky if you want to. I've got a big Zyre Smith feature dropping this week that nice. I'm excited about. That's one in, that one's in the can already. Uh, talked to his dad, his AAU coach. Talked to him a bit at the Combine and Keenan Evans, who is his best teammate at Texas Tech. So I'm pretty jacked up about that. I also got a piece coming next week on sleepers. I got like nine sleepers in the draft I like, and I got a piece. Oh, I'll just have two mock drafts. I'll have a mock draft on Monday and Thursday. So it's going to be a busy week. Awesome. Uh, but I love the NBA draft, dude. This has always been my favorite. This is It's so dumb, but it's like literally my favorite event in sports, right? Oh, the yeah, NBA. Yeah. It's <laughs> Christmas Eve. It's Christmas yeah. Eve for me. I always celebrate the draft way more than anything else in my life, which is kind of sad, really. But yeah. I'm looking forward to the Sayer Smith feature. I've been waiting for that one. Yeah. I know you're very high on him, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And everyone who listens in, go check out Ricky's stuff on SB Nation. It's great. Yes, definitely. Um, any sleepers you want to plug quickly, Ricky? Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, I'll just spoil the article here. Off the top of my head, my sleepers were Josh Koji from Georgia Tech. I love him. Mitchell, yes. Mitchell Robinson. Uh who didn't play college basketball last year, but he's like an athletic center. Jared Vanderbilt, who is another guy who barely played last year for Kentucky, but he was sick as a recruit when I watched him. Uh, How about this? Jared Vanderbilt's AAU team, when I watched him play the first time in AAU, his teammates were De'Aaron Fox, Robert Williams, who's in this draft from Texas Texas A&M, and Carson Edwards, who might be the best point guard in college basketball next year. He plays for Purdue. He'll be a junior next year. And he was the best guy on that team. Whoa! Freshman. So nice. I'm buying high on Jared Vanderbilt. Draft him in the second round if you want a home run pick. Uh, yeah, just guys like that. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love a Koji, so I'm I'm happy to get see him get some love there. So yeah, everyone check all that stuff out next week. Just just stay plugged into SB Nation. They're gonna have a bunch of shit coming out about the draft. In the meantime, uh, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and our special guest, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian.